But after a 10% rally in the S&P, we're seeing some poor earnings causing some anxiety coming through in markets. We're seeing the US dollar under big pressure, reversal to the downside. It smashes through the 50-day moving average. We're seeing crypto flying high. But with some monster event risk over the next five days, could we see storm clouds brewing across the markets? Blake and I discuss all these factors and more in the trade-off. Well, hi there, and my name's Chris West. I'm head of research here at Pepperstone, and I'm going to be joined in two seconds, as always, with Blake Morrow from Forex Analytics. As always, if you like the program, if you've followed yourself, really enjoying what you're happening to hear, click the like button. We really appreciate that. If you want to leave a comment, let us know how you're trading these markets, some of the factors that we're talking about. Leave a comment. We love to hear from those every day of the week. Anyway, let's bring Blake into the program. Hello, mate. How are you going? I want to ask you a question, Blake, before we go into anything. What is worse than being long meta stock? Well, I'm not sure, Chris. What is worse than being long meta stock? <laughs> it's not a joke. Being long <laughs> meta stock, but also being a Twitter employee. I think that's an absolute classic. Did you see, not that I'm putting anyone in, in any kind of pain, but did you see Elon Musk coming out today and tweeting when he arrived into the Twitter, uh, into a Twitter building, carrying no less a sink? I did not see that. Explain to me. I was I was out and about with some visitors here. So what happened? Well, it's it's, it's a mad situation. So he basically tweeted out that I'm um, yeah you know, I'm entering the Twitter building, uh, Twitter headquarters. Let that sink in. Now, of course, he's he's threatened to to sack seventy five percent of the uh, the workforce. The workforce then came out with a, uh, a sort of a universal coordinated letter saying, you know, don't sack us. There's going to be people who are going to have to leave the country, and you know, we want to work from home, and blah blah blah. Um, you know, sort of a, a sort of tucking on the heartstrings of the public, effectively. But he sort of countered that by coming in and, and showing you know, him entering the building, carrying a kitchen sink, which is used as a kind of pun to say, let that sink in, which is absolutely awful. And I think speaks to the, speaks to the man himself. But yeah, that's kind of My where goodness. we are. It's, it's going to have a look at it. It's, it's basically he tweeted it out last night. It's just one of the worst well, puns you're ever going to see. That's horrible. You know what I have to say to you, Elon? Go ahead and... You need to get, start working out anyway. So there, take that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a, oh, I'm not going to say anything, mate. It's a bit bitter, sort of hot kettle. <laughs> you don't want to get Pepperstone in trouble. But I don't care. Forex Analytics, bring it, baby. Bring All right, it. go ahead, yeah, Chris. Take it, take it. <laughs> All right, let's bring it, uh, let's bring it to Topical Thunder. I want to talk central banks. Okay, the market's getting pretty excited about next week's Fed meeting. We can talk about that one in isolation in a minute. Wall Street Journal sort of opened the, the door a little bit. We're in a blackout period there. We've got the Bank of Japan meeting tomorrow. We've got the ECB meeting in the session ahead. Um, uh, you know, following on from next week, we've also got the, the Bank of England meeting. We've got also the RBA meeting. It's the central bank bonanza. There's no doubt about that in my, in my mind. Obviously, we saw the Bank of Canada coming out uh, in the session we just seen, and they came out and raised 50 basis points. Some people were pricing, I think we were pricing about 66 basis points. The CAD got hit uh, you know, initially on the back of that. We saw good bids coming through in the Canadian 10-year bond, for example. Um, and you know, people are trying to extrapolate, yeah, what's from this central bank? What does this mean for the Fed? And you know, is, is, is that pivot sort of, you know, in place at the moment? But you know, over the next you know, five days or so, we have all these major central banks coming through. I want to take uh, you know one in isolation. Which ones do you think it could be the uh, the one that you want to look at the most closely there? Well, I'm I'm actually looking at the Norges Bank in that. All right, <laughs> I know so it's I didn't even mention one that one. 
It's not even on your radar, I don't think, but it's next Thursday. But uh, that that's one because everybody's pricing in just a, a measly quarter basis or quarter percentage point. And I'm like, I'm like, I don't know. I think they could be a little bit more hawkish. But in all actuality, like for ones that we all focus on, I, I think for me, it's it's going to be, well, we got the ECB um, coming up. And and I think a lot of people are really wondering, you know, is there going to is, is QT going to be talked about? Is it even going to be mentioned? Um, you know, uh, and if it does and if it is, are we going to be pricing that in for for second quarter 2023? Some people are speculating that the, that the ECB is not even going to raise 75 basis points, only only uh, or yeah, only 50. And I'm like, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but then that it would be a hawkish hike, that, but it could bring a lot of opportunities. You know, you could buy a really aggressive dip if we saw one, you know, Chris. So I, I don't know. The ECB is more of the, that that's the, that's the one that I'm really kind of focusing on. And mm. I don't have any European exposure right now. No Euro exposure at the moment. So well, I'm looking at, I'm looking at the bank of Japan. Um, Okay. I don't. I don't think anything anything wild's going to ex- be expected. But you know, look, if you look at where swaps are at the moment relative to the 10, ten year JGB, they're trading around sixty five basis points. Um, yeah, no one's really expecting them to to change yield curve control. No one's expecting them to take that ceiling at twenty five basis points off the table. No one's expecting rate hikes by any means at all. But there's not a zero probability. You know, there's a there's there is a small chance that they do change or, or at least open. Uh, the dialogue for a change in yield curve control. If we were to see that, um, I think that, that you could see bond markets globally sell off. You know, it could cause massive ripples because remember, the Japanese investors, they want to bring their money home. They want to invest in JGBs. So we're already getting a better yield when it's its currency, uh, you know, tr- treasury is a currency hedged effectively. If you start saying, well, we're going to lift it up, you know, a 10-year JGB could be trading at 50 basis points. You know, that's going to cause selling of other assets, US treasuries, and people are going to want to buy those JGBs. That's the one I'm looking for. Not expecting any fireworks from that, but what could be the one that causes the big fireworks? It could be the Japanese um, Japanese central bank there. So keep that on your radar. We don't know what time that's coming through, but we do know that if, if the Bank of Japan on Friday were to surprise the market, yeah, that could cause ripples through markets. That would be a big one, and I'll tell you, Chris, I'll welcome it with open arms yeah. and uh, stronger PL. So there, there you go. <laughs> we'll talk about the end a little bit later, which is good. Um, I, I actually wanted, you know, I'm going to turn our attention actually to data because uh, data is this is kind of a reminder, but more importantly, what you and I are discussing right now is very important because, you know. Data does matter, and I need to make sure that everybody watching this, everybody that's a Pepperstone client, everybody that's a Forex Analytics client, and even if you're not one of those two, make sure you're really focused on the data. And I think it, you know it's becoming increasingly important because here, here Chris and I are discussing what's happening in the rates market, but more importantly, how the market's going to price in future rate hikes or maybe a possible pivot across the board. Now, when I when I talk about this. The U.S. dollar, since that's the you know obviously the most the most uh, 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 you know it's the reserve currency and most people trade dollar related pairs, but that's not true across the board. And the dollar outcome is pretty binary at this point because the data is bad, the dollar sells off. Data is good, dollar strengthens because the you know the you know it's it's a very easy kind of trade 
But what about the other central banks? Because here we are, Chris, talking about is the ECB going to raise 75? Maybe they raise only a half a percent. Mm. Uh, you know, how about the how about the Norges Central Bank? How about the Bank of England? We're looking at a, 70, uh, a 75 basis points to a, a full percentage point, you know, next week. What are they going to do? I mean, this is where data is going to start to matter. Be, and this is where volatility comes in. So I guess my my question to you, Chris, is what data is going to be what data is going to matter most to you in the in the weeks ahead from now? My, I just don't know anymore. Um, you know, I thought I knew, and then and then suddenly this week, I mean, go to the US. Um, yeah, we we saw the dollar coming off pretty hard, and because we saw the Case Shiller Index, the house price index, you know, down two months in a row. I've not I've not seen the Case Shiller Index being market moving since the GFC. You know, it's in two thousand and eight when it when it yeah these new home sales prices would move the market. The Case Shiller yeah. Index dropped. I think it was about one point two percent or so month for month. And the, and the markets got slammed. The, the equity market rallied because bad news is good news. And, you know, when I'm looking at the calendar and I'm saying, well, you know, I want to have a look at this. You know, I don't want to hold my exposures over this. I wouldn't even looked at the Case-Shiller Index. That changed things for me. Then now we're actually starting to say, well, we had our defined issues. We want to look at payrolls. We'll look at CPI. Next CPI number is on the 11th of September, 11th of November. We know these things. We know these marquee event risks. But then suddenly you see this huge reaction on something which we wouldn't even looked at before. And suddenly we're like, well, yeah, is everything become an event risk? Um, you go into Europe, you know, the, the ECB will probably say us tonight that, that everything's data dependent. So, yeah, which data points you look at. In a market that's desperate for a pivot, a desperate for a, a, a slowing of the pace of hikes, a more conventional 25 basis points and then a pause, everything's on the table at the moment, whether it's interest rate sensitive areas like housing, is it going to be wage data on Friday? We've got tomorrow, we've got the employment cost index in the US. You know, if that comes out below 1.2%, you know, we, the dollar could really come under big pressure. Bonds could go heavily bid. So I think everything's on the table now, Blake. I mean, if you, unless you disagree with that comment, but you know, have you actually looked at the Case-Shiller Index for years? I mean, how do you see well, that? Well, I have just because it, it affects my, the you know, price, real estate prices around where I'm at. But but so I do um, pay attention to that. And But here's the thing. I think it's really important that you really pay attention to what economic data is coming your way in the next 24 hours. That trading day before you, before you shut down your computer, before you, you know, have those open positions and you're moving your stops, Take a look at what's happening while you're sleeping. Anyway, I think it's just really important, Chris, and I know we need to move on. So We do. Um, and I want to move on to China. Why do I want to move on to China? Because China's been a really interesting play. I mean, we've certainly seen yeah, a lot of interesting flow in, in, in the Hong Kong market, the HK50, dollar CNH, for example, the, the offshore yuan, for me, is the, is the epicenter of everything that's going on in the FX markets. It's not something that, that people necessarily look at very closely, but they should. You know, when the dollar was going up against the yuan, yeah, the dollar was rallying against everything. Dollar yen, dollar uh, Aussie dollar. It was rallying against the Kiwi dollar. It was rallying against the CAD. It was the epicenter of the market. Yesterday, we saw a situation where the basic, the Chinese state banks came out and said, yeah, we're, but we're under orders here to come and sell dollars and effectively buy yen, try and stabilise the price. And it sort of marries up with this, 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 uh, this stronger fixing mechanism that they do every day at quarter past 12 Eastern Daylight Time. And I'm not sure what that translates to Arizona time. Uh, but you know, that, that's where we are. And of course, the dollar then sold off pretty aggressively against the CNH, the offshore yuan. And that's why we yeah. saw the Aussie dollar rallying. That's why we saw the Kiwi dollar rallying. It was nothing to do with Aussie CPI. 
It was all to do with that. Then obviously you've got the equity market coming under big pressure. That's big because we've seen the leadership changes there. Le- um, you know, Xi Jinping effectively solidified his base. There's going to be less checks and balances coming through. He said that they want to like focus more uh, on defence effectively and less on the economic model. And of course, equities have seen huge outflows there as well. So yeah, there's probably two parts of the question. On the equity front, is it now time to you know, strategically buy Chinese equities or are you staying clear? And how much do you look at that dollar CNH as your central guide for G10FX? Well, you know, going to your answer or your question, excuse me, about Chinese equities, I am kind of leaving them alone right now. It's not something that I'm necessarily focused on. Mm. But what I am focused on is the U.S. dollar CNH. And we have seen it actually turn lower as relative strength was actually divergent. So it was really suggesting that we were going to see a turn lower in the U.S. dollar CNH. And, um, and, and I, I do look at it as a risk barometer. If it does strengthen, then that's good. That's good. That means that, you know, risk is going to thrive in that type of environment. If you continue to see the, the, uh, the dollar slump and the CNH continues to strengthen. Conversely, though, if I start to see it weaken and I start to see it surge, you know, lower again and the dollar start to rally, that does concern me. And that's something that I, I will pay attention to, especially if I'm short dollars at the moment. So I think you're right, Chris, that dollar CNH is very pivotal in what we do every day in the FX market yeah. and in risk just in general. I think so. And, um, you know, we don't see many people trading dollar CNH because, you know, when you've got such a strong correlation with the Aussie dollar, you know, people say, well, yeah, Aussie dollar spreads are just way cheaper, to be honest. And that's not a reflection yeah. of Pepperstone spreads. I think we're pretty good there. But, the, you know, you can trade Aussie dollar on a fraction of any, you know, it's so cheap to trade that. That uh, when you've got such a strong correlation coefficient between the Aussie dollar and the yuan, then people are just going to trade the proxies every day of the week. <clears throat> but what we are seeing, yeah, just overlap a chart and just keep it on it. Just keep a tick chart or a one minute chart of dollar dollar CNH. And you're right. I mean, if, if dollar CNH comes down, you know, the, the US dollar uh, will sell off against yeah, the Kiwi and the Aussie most prominently there. Uh, so that's really what you want to be looking at. Just keep an eye on that chart. If you, especially around quarter past 12 each, each day when, that, when they move the midpoint up and down. If you see some volatility, watch the reaction in the Aussie dollar because that's where you're going to get the driver from. from. All right. Well, very, very good, Chris. I'm glad you brought up China. You know, I'm going to bring up the Fed and the FOMC, and I want to ask what your playbook is. And I'm not saying, you know, if the Fed hikes this, I'm going to do that. If the Fed does this, I'm going to do that. I'm going to look at the dot plot. I mean, I know it's actually pretty important, but there's a lot of time between now and the Fed meeting. And actually, we will be meeting once again post FOMC. So we're going to kind of break it down afterwards. So what I wanted to talk about is how you're going to approach the market from here to the Fed and kind of what your expectations with the Fed are. And I'm going to lay out what my base case is, because right now, as uh, as I I alluded to last week, I am short dollars. I'm looking to play the dollar short, at least going into the Fed. Now, as we're faced with the Fed, I am in the belief that especially after we we had a we had a, a a conference this last weekend and I talked to a lot of very very intelligent macro people, um, I think my takeaway was that I still want to be very, I want to believe in and and Fed Chairman Powell's words and I think he's going to be diligently hawkish until we see CPI really come down across the board no doubt. at no cost at any cost. So those people that are looking for a Fed pivot. Which I'm hoping, I mean, it would be, it would do wonders on my PL if they pivoted right at this moment <laughs> in time. However, I don't know if that's going to be the case. So I'm going to play dollar on the short side going into the Fed, but a day or two ahead of the Fed, 
I will be closing out all those shorts. I am going to be sidelined and I, I am going to be right ready. Right. I think I'm going to be ready to buy the dollar post FOMC. Yeah. So what's your thought? I think that's the right in? trade, mate. I think that's the right trade. And 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 I, I'll probably take it off maybe two days before the Fed meeting. And, I re- and I'll tell you why. I think given the Wall Street Journal article there, you know, Nick Timoraeus, who's now like obviously the, the, the probably the second most important person in the world behind, you know, uh, uh, the man, yeah, he's the, the Fed's mouthpiece. So what he's done is he's already implanted this idea that they're going to announce the 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 the, the signs, the catalyst for them to slow the pace down. That's the catalyst. That's the that's the pivot in itself. It's it's not you know people are saying oh pivots you know they come out and actually announce rate cuts or give it a signal. No, the pivot starts as, uh, in in the idea that they they've gone from seventy five basis points down to fifty and twenty five and they pause it for a while and at some stage then they bring it back down to neutral. But that playbook is now entrenched in the market that we're going to get a sign about what's going to cause to slow the pace down. Now, if he doesn't do that, and I think there's risks based on what you say there with with CPI, you know, continuing to be entrenched. Um, that the market's going in expecting those signals. If it doesn't come, which there's a very good chance it doesn't come, then of course you know the dollar's going to rally hard. You know yields are going to sell off. Yeah, we're going to see bonds sure. sell off. So that's that's issue. There's a lot of doubt in my mind, and I'm a simple man, Blake. If I'm thinking about that, then the broader market's going to be thinking that as well. So the risk is, you know, a day or two out before the Fed, people say, Do you know what? If, what if Nick Tamaras's you know slowdown situation doesn't come to fruition? Yeah, the dollar's going to have a pretty mighty rally given the sell-off we've been seeing, and they're going to close out those exposures. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, I think the dollar move happens before the meeting itself. People want to run a flat position going into that. So, for now, yeah, I stay short uh, dollars, um, but, yeah, I think I'd be looking to close it maybe a, two days before the meeting. We'll see. So, I think that's, that's some, so definitely one to, to, to keep an eye on there. Um, anyway, I think what's interesting now, with the dollar in mind, let's go and have a look at some of the charts that, uh, you know, encapsulate that view. Uh, Blake, I want to go straight into to euro dollar one because you've got the ECB meeting. Which you, you 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 eloquently talked about that um, just a minute ago. But obviously, yeah, we've had we've had this bearish channel that we've been seeing. You know, you can see that red line that's been coming down as well. The fifty day moving average it's worked absolutely golden as a as a trend filter all the way down there. You know, um, yeah, basically you're looking to short. Uh, put, put shorts into a situation where the RSI gets overbought and, you know, you can just try and that down. But what we've actually seen now is, is the first really convincing break of the channel and it's closed there and it's held it. It's closed above that, that upper Bollinger Band. Um, you know, it's a proper breakout strategy. Um, you know, that, that 4th of October pivot high, swing high, you know, it's broken above that, it's closed above that. You know, are we now to make a move into 102? Obviously, the ECB meeting in, in there, I think the risks are two-way, to be honest. I think they're, they're symmetrical. Um, you know, I can make a case they're going to be more hawkish than the market's pricing, but obviously disappoint as well. But that technical setup that we've got is is one, you know, it's been in place really since February and it's broken out. Do we go to 102 or are you buying pullbacks or you just fading the move here, Blake? Well, I, I'm I, like I said earlier, Chris. I don't have any dollar exposure, but I'm hoping the ECB they they have a hike, but it's a hawkish hike. It's like maybe maybe even if they go they go you know fifty basis points, but it is hawkish because you're going to see it come down, slip right back below parity. But I think this technical formation is so big and so massive that I do want to buy dips below parity and make sure it just closes back above parity. That's how I'm going to play it. But you know what? I don't have any apprehension about chasing it either because I don't think 102.35 is off the table. That's Mm. 161% extension of the last move lower. And look, the momentum is higher, Chris. I don't want to fade it here. I just want to buy dips. I want to say this as well, Blake. In a world of negativity, there's bad news everywhere, right? 
you know. Yeah. Um, what we've seen actually <laughs> last couple of days or last three or four days is European gas prices are going through the floor. If you look at one week prices, they're negative. I was just going to say How that. How positive is that for that. Europe? It's been a terms it's of trade good. shock. And you know, I think if we're looking for good news in the world, that's a good news story, right? That's right. It's a great one. And I'm glad you brought that up because I was just thinking, man, we didn't talk about you know, Dutch natural gas. But anyway, I'm glad you brought that up. All right, let's move it over to the Euro-Swiss because this is a trade that I'm actually watching. And it's not so much a Euro play, it's a Swiss play. But it's a Swiss play. I, it's a Swiss play and it's a Swiss knife too. It's like a Swiss cheese. It's a Swiss, uh, never mind. Anyway, what I'm looking for though, is I'm looking for this this uh, this this uh, confluence of this uh, pair because it it's attacking the March seventh previous lows. Where, but it, there's a confluence, a couple levels of confluence. It's a fifty percent retracement of the June 9th high to September twenty sixth low, and it's a hundred and twenty seven percent extension of the last leg lower, which was from September second to September twenty sixth. So that confluence, it's a triple confluence that comes in right there right just below parity and you could say i'd give it all the way back up to parity hey if it trades while it's trading below parity i am looking to sell rallies and i think it's a setup now the flip side to that is obviously if it gets above parity we should see the 200 day moving average pretty quickly but what do you think about the euro swiss here oh yeah i think you i think you nailed it with with the swiss move there go and have a look at yeah go and have a look at sterling um sterling swissy kiwi swissy they're all doing the same thing swiss is just getting sold off so it's like you know what we see with the dollar—it's a—it's a dollar move generally. But yeah, the same things as Swiss, where it's universally being sold. Um, yeah, and I think the sterling Swiss looks pretty good at the moment. Um, yeah, but I think this one here—it's a difficult, difficult one right now. Yeah, we've seen it up eight days in a row. Uh, that's yeah, sort of the propensity to continue to to move, continue to trend is there. So I wouldn't be selling it right now. I mean, the whole point of this pattern, which I think is a great pattern, and I love the confluence of resistance levels that you're talking about. It's just let the pattern complete. You know, wait for the wait for the price to roll over. Wait for it to close below, um, you know, the up the rising trend, and 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 that's where you'd be looking at getting short. At least, you know, the, the worst thing that could happen is you're going to see a distribution in price. It's going to trade sideways. You know, you're getting the mean reversion hat out and trade a choppy market. Um, but if it was to 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 you know to roll over, then you want to get there. But so for me, wait. Let the market push you into a trade. Great setup. We have these setups on the radar just to make sure. Let the price confirm. For now, I wouldn't be touching that. But you've got this one on the radar. That's right. Yeah. Mate, I want to talk about ones on the radar. This is the one that's actually seen a bit of business in recently. And, you know, it's been this this, this kind of uh, this big, big move. I want to bring up the chart of Ethereum. Um, back in my day, Blake, um, we had this saying on the floor, and I think it's still quite commonly used, it's never short a dull market. And in, in crypto land, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum, all these other names, um, yeah, it was about as dull as it got. You know, we saw the the, the realised volatility in these names as low as we've seen it in many years. Um, and you know, if you look at the Bollinger Bands, which you can just see in that right hand side, just in between that sort of yellow shaded box, you can see that the the, the sort of uh, the, the Bollinger Bands contracted, and that's a really sure sign. When you see markets trading sideways, those Bollinger Bands really squeeze in. What you're then looking for is that breakout to the top side as a kind of breakout strategy. You know. Which way is it going to go? You don't know. But when it does, when it shows its hand, that's what you're seeing. And what we've seen now is that rising up into the 61.8% retracement of that recent sell-off you can see there. Um, 
it looks like it probably may want to pull back a little bit and then you get another run through that level and maybe you're adding to that. But what we've seen is a very strong move up there. And um, yeah, I really like these these breakout strategies that come out, you know, above a, a Bollinger Band, above a Counter Band, um, after a really you know, prolonged period of, of, of very dull conditions. It's usually a, a very powerful sign there. What are you thinking? Well, I, I'm thinking, I can't believe you took this chart away from me. Oh, I actually no, had I, this chart out. Did I steal but, it? But, you know... I applaud you because it's actually looking at something a little differently than I'm looking at. And I'm just looking at a move back to the 200-day moving average, which comes in around 1725, 1726. Also, that 1726 level is the 618 Fibonacci retracement from the mid-August uh, mid highs to the, to the 9th of October lows. So that 618 retracement comes in right at 1725, 1726. So I think I, I'm I'm bullish, and I think it's I think you know you get a pullback, you target the 200-day moving average, which you don't happen to have on that chart. But I'm on the same page as you, Chris, and I love it. And when you pulled that up today, I'm like, dang, I had it. <laughs> I actually printed it out. You just beat me to the keyboard. So great choice, right, Chris. I like that one. It's one of the benefits of getting up super early. But yeah, I think this. Uh... <laughs> I think this is going to red. I mean, I do, I do worry if, if the S&P rolls over and trades back down, um, yeah, if the Nasdaq goes down, the dollar starts finding a bid on the back of that, yeah, then 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 you could see Ethereum struggle. But yeah, at the moment it's doing all the right things and I think pullbacks will probably be bought. All right. Well, let's talk about um, a, a, a really, really big pivot. Now, I've, I've talked a lot about the DAX over the last, you know, whatever, eight, 10 months we've been doing the show together, Chris. Mm. I've even said the DAX is dead and then it rolled over and I'm like, the DAX is coming back. You know, look, we're at a what I call a Gartley pattern. Very big pivot. There's a big trend that, line. Though, though. What's that? I think everyone calls it that, don't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I think everybody that. Well, Actually, I'm calling it a Gartley, but somebody might say, well, that's actually a cipher pattern. Look, if you're a harmonics expert, you, please jump in the comments below. Let us know exactly what pattern it is. But what I am looking for is a big pivot at the 13,250 level. That's a 78% retracement or 13,200 right around there. Above it, a good solid close above that level. It's bullish. We'll target the 200-day moving average. But we might actually get a bearish pivot around here. So I think this is a great setup if you're a bull or a bear. So it's something you should be keeping an eye on. I think we can we can pivot hard from these areas. So what do you think about it, Chris? Well, I love that. Yeah, scalpers out there. I mean, this is one that you would have been looking for. You love these levels. You love the big levels. You're seeing how price reacts there. You'd just be taking little small scalps off the uh, off the, off the trend resistance there, taking it from the short side, just getting those one-click executions going on, bang, 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 and just, just working it all the way down. Um, but you know it's 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 been rising. Obviously, uh, yeah, the momentum heads out there will be wanting to see a close above that. It all rests really on the ECB, doesn't it? I mean, that's where we are. The, the, it does. It's, it's, yeah, in the session ahead, um, they'll raise seventy five basis points. Look, my view: don't buy the buy, don't buy the euro, don't buy the DAX, or don't sell the DAX because you think they're going to raise seventy five points. It's in the price that, that you know it's been well discounted for a long time. Where we're looking at is, as you rightly pointed out earlier, is 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 do they give any indications about quantitative tightening? Um, maybe they will, but the chain of events is that they're going to need to raise rates to the deposit rate to at least two percent before they start, you know, reining in their balance sheet. And what does that balance sheet contraction look like? Does it look like more something like the Bank of England, where they're actually actively selling, you know, bonds into the market, or are they going to be something like the Fed, where they're just allowing it to roll off passively? There's a lot to look out for. The problem with these events, Blake, when you're devising a playbook around this. It's very difficult. The ECB one is very complicated. And that, mm -hmm. you know, you can just say, well, it could do this, it could do that. What's the market you look at? So I'm looking at targeted long term refinancing operations, TLTRs, 
QT, rates, terminal rate price. This is all very, very hard to look at. So for my advice is don't trade the ECB meeting. But what you're seeing now for that setup, fantastic setup. Definitely looking at that one anyway. Um, Anyway, let's go to play of the day. Let's see what's uh, making news there. I'm going to break some hearts. I'm going to break some hearts. I'm looking at the looking at the NAS 100. Why am I looking at oh the NAS 100? Oh, you know the earnings we've seen from big tech have been brutal, haven't they? Yeah, Google uh, absolutely smashed. Microsoft, Microsoft oh. down. Meta, oh, oh, oh. you know, down twenty percent, twenty percent in the aftermarket. But you know what we do have. You know, we've got the Amazons of this world. We've got the we've got the, 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 the we've got the apples of this world coming out soon, and and that may save it. What I like in these kind of situations, and like you know, we trade the range. I said last week that I thought we'd see the S and P trade thirty eight hundred, thirty six hundred. Yeah, we just broke it out to the top side, so yeah, we're at the top of that range. Um, as of anything, you respect the price action. The market breaks out, you, you've got to change your view, and you know you've got to go with it. What we're seeing now is the Nasdaq. Is, is yeah, I'll probably be looking at sh- uh, short positions here. Yeah, just ride out the earnings season. Um, very very tight stop, just above the uh, you know above the the sixteen uh, eleven 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 thousand six hundred fifty. Very very tight stop indeed. Looking to flip that into the revert into the downtrend if it happens. But yeah, I reckon this 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 could be trading lower uh, as a result of these earnings, and I think the market could be getting short here as the top end of that range. Well, I tell you what, if you guys like uh, like that, you should be jumping in in the comments telling Chris how much you appreciate that play of the day. Oh, the the play am. of the day that I'm going to give you is going. I'm going to give you the dollar yen. And I'm going to say, look, intervention works. No, and I say that, and I know a lot of haters are going to jump in the it's comments here. It's a dollar move. It, it, it is a dollar move, and it's a rates move. And I'll tell you what, Chris, everybody, everybody I heard from, the, the, for the last week, two weeks, intervention doesn't work. You know when it's going to work? This time, baby. And that's why I'm looking for a dollar yen close below 146. I'm actually, I'm already short, but I'm going to be getting more short. And a close below 145, I'm actually getting aggressively short. So I'm already playing it to the short side as long as it stays below 150. You got to know your risk, though, and you've got to know that your stop's got to be wide, position size got to be small, and you got to add to gains and move your stops with you to protect yourself. And that's the only way that you can play a nice reversal like this. We had an ascending wedge, false breakout on the top side, false breakout and reversal. So a close below 146, a close below 145. I'm adding to winners on the way down, Chris. And that is going to be my play today. They are turning the Titanic. They're turning oh, I don't it. Know. I think you need to be having a word with your mate, uh, Mr. Suzuki, over there in the uh, the Ministry of Finance. But I like it as winners are grinners, and I think you need you're going to need to see, uh, yeah, obviously the Bank of Japan, uh, yeah, opening the door to potential changes, but also be in the U.S. You'd want to see, um, you know, that ECI number, the, the Employment Cost Index, coming in. Uh, if you could get below a one handle, happy days, or as the French say, jolly jeu, because I think that's where you're going to be looking. So we'll see that one. Anyway, for everyone out there who's been continuing to watch this point, we love you. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, leave your comments. There's been a lot of intel that I'm sure most of you will agree with, and some of you will uh, disagree with as well. Um, and we want to hear from those comments because it keeps us uh, keeps us on point hearing other people's views there as well. Anyway, we'll see you back next week for more of the trade-off. 